Hey folks, Sam Jones here. Welcome to another edition of Off Camera. You know, we've been doing this show a long time now, and one of the great joys I get is hearing from listeners all around the world. And believe me, it never gets old that we can sit in this studio in Santa Monica and make our little show and have people discover it in faraway countries. When I was a kid, I loved listening to the radio. I loved hearing the outside world. And I never could have imagined that I would have my own show that I could broadcast around the world. And when I get letters from listeners, it really brings home the fact that this show has a global reach. So I want to read you a letter this week before we get started with the show. So here we go. Hey, Sam. My name is Wolfgang, and I am living currently in Austria. I've listened to your show now for a while, and I love the diversity, the different people you talk to, and also the things you talk about. I love hearing stories about early career struggles, because that also makes me feel better about my own struggles right now. Your conversations are vulnerable and human, and I can relate to so many stories and experiences. So I have a question for you. How did you motivate yourself while building a career doing what you love? And how did you deal with the daily obstacles and also the tight money situations once in a while? Well, Wolfgang, it's a good question because there were some tight money situations for quite a long while. And I appreciate your letter because when you see these successful, accomplished people that come on my show... Sometimes what you don't see is all the years of toil and struggle. And as much as they touch on it on the show, it's hard to sort of imagine what they had to go through to get there. And yes, there are the occasional success stories that happen very young and people, you know, strike lightning in their 20s. But for the most part, anyone who's on this show has struggled and worked hard and questioned themselves and been broke and eaten too much ramen. But to get to my story specifically... I think I was motivated as much by fear as I was by my art, because I didn't grow up in a family of artists, and I didn't grow up with any connections in the industry. And for me, working for somebody else in a job where I had a boss and a time clock was just unacceptable. And so I was out there hustling as soon as I could, because I never wanted to have that kind of life where someone else was in charge of my time. I think something about me that makes my path unique is that I didn't have that one thing that drove me above all others. I had so many interests. For instance, I wanted to be a pro skateboarder. I wanted to be a touring musician, a songwriter. For a while, I wanted to do special effects in films. I wanted to be a director. I wanted to be a photographer. I wanted to create my own magazine. I wanted to be a DJ on the radio. I wanted to ride motorcycles. And so I think I love so many things that I was excited just to figure out how to go out and have an unconventional life while I honed in on the thing I was supposed to be doing. And it wasn't until the end of college that I really fell in love with photography and decided to buckle down and really study it. And I spent so many nights at my school in the lab working through the night, sleeping on the couch getting back up and working in the morning. I was shooting pictures all the time, and I didn't have a penny to my name. I remember being so excited when a UPS driver hit my Volkswagen bug because I got some money from UPS, and I lived off that money and just left the car crashed because <laughs> it still ran. But I got a couple months worth of rent out of the accident. So I was in that place where I was just living month to month. And being a photographer, I didn't have a lot of photographer friends, and I certainly didn't have successful photographers that I could mentor. I just didn't know anybody. So I was sort of stumbling around in the dark, and I think a lot of artists have that in common, actors, musicians especially, where you want so bad to find out that what you're doing is the right path, but you have no one to ask. And when I think of the way I got started in my career, it was really through a lot of trial and error. I made a lot of mistakes. And I just kept on sort of banging my head against the door until it would open. And I think along the way, I not only developed my sense of style and my technical ability as a photographer, but I developed perseverance. And that was just because it was a necessity. And a lot of my career, I feel like I just made it up as I went along. Since I didn't have anybody showing me how to do it, I sort of invented my own methods for how to run a business and how to get people interested in my work. And, and I just sort of stuck with it. And frankly, it was a lot of years before the success started to pay off. And any time a story is told about someone's career, it gets condensed. And six years sounds like six months, or 10 years sounds like a year. And the most extreme stories rise to the top. But the best way I can answer your question is just to say that if you want to succeed, you'll keep trying until you figure it out. 
and you'll get educated along the way. And you may find something that you love even more. And you may naturally hit a fork in the road and go a different way. But if you get up every morning with the intention that you're going to figure out your path and you are going to follow what it is that you're best at. And if you don't have this unrealistic expectation that it's supposed to happen by a certain deadline, I think that's all you can count on is yourself. And I think those daily obstacles you ask about, they really become the building blocks of your success. And by going through those trials, you can go through future hard times easier. Well, Wolfgang, I hope that answers your question a little bit. Thanks for writing in. And I want to thank everybody who writes in each week. And if you have any questions or if you want some bad advice or if you have a suggestion for the show, send me an email. I'm Sam at offcamera.com. Now let's get to the show. Hey folks, Sam Jones here. Welcome to another edition of Off Camera, the show where I get to talk to iconic, creative, curious artists and find out how they got that way. And in this episode, I sit down with actress Lauren Cohen. If you look at Lauren's acting career, it's clear she has a knack for playing strong and feisty women. She's played a zombie-killing badass in The Walking Dead, a secret agent in Peter Berg's thriller Mile 22, and now she's chasing down international baddies in the action-packed ABC series Whiskey Cavalier. Rolling around on the ground, shooting guns, and doing stunts can be exhausting work. But for Lauren, it's often the opposite. As she tells it, I naturally gravitate towards action. As soon as I start doing it, I feel exhilarated. I have an excess of adrenaline, so it's good for me to have a physical element to my acting. Well, Lauren's career path wasn't always so certain. She spent years slogging through auditions, where the only requirement was to be a, quote, beautiful woman. She longed for the opportunity to do more. And that's when The Walking Dead came along. She says, don't get me wrong. It's great to be an actor and get work because people want to see you on screen. But when I got the role of Maggie, I was so relieved that it was a stripped down character study. I finally felt free. Exploring the vast depth of human emotion is what ultimately drives her. Even when she encounters moments or scenes that scare her, quote, I keep going back to the idea of embracing the challenge. It's like, that sounds painful and difficult. Let me try it. Lauren joins off-camera to talk about the Walking Dead scene that terrified her so much that she almost quit, why there's no point in being an actor if you aren't willing to be vulnerable and uncomfortable, and why finding your inner lion is all part of a day's work. So pull up a chair and listen in. Hi, Lauren. Hi, Sam. Thanks for doing this. Thanks for having me. Well, you know what? I've wanted to have you on for a long time, but I'm kind of glad that we waited because you're on this new show, Whiskey Cavalier, mm -hmm. made in part by my friend Bill Lawrence, yep. who I've had on the show. And you film it in Prague, and it, it's sort of, it, it's this big, fun, action-oriented throwback television in a way. Mm -hmm. and, and it's great. And, and I started looking at your history a little bit, uh, you know, with this, with Mile 22, with Walking Dead, and I think you may be the most badass woman on <laughs> on the screen like I mean it must be exhausting your version of your <laughs> it's like when is she gonna just be in a romantic comedy and she doesn't have to like kill anybody drive a car crazy you know what I mean the irony is that this is my version of a romantic comedy and yet in the <laughs> pilot right. you're like you're yeah. beating people up, shooting people rolling on the ground getting <laughs> shot getting cut open so it's that, funny <laughs> <laughs> the rolling on the ground part we did um, in the pilot when we shot that first fight sequence. And I remember Peter Tensio, um, who's directed it, who's one of our producers and has directed a slew of our episodes. And um, he said, uh, he said, can you give me your best lion? I was like, I thought nobody would ever ask this question. <laughs> your best lion. Your best lion. In terms of like. In terms of literally growl as you get up from the ground to fight. <laughs> so, really? Yeah. So that's so that's my. Again, my version, I guess, of a romantic, of a romantic comedy action. So, is it that much um, less damaging to your psyche as Walking Dead was in yeah. terms of like the physicality may be the same, but the tone is different. I think that the it was funny because I watched the show again last night and sort of by yourself. By no, with a bunch of people. <laughs> yeah, be quiet. I'm watching myself. <laughs> um, no, um, I watched it and I thought, and I it didn't really hit me how strong of a character Frankie is, um, but also how, um, I, I, guess I'm, I guess I'm just sort of finally absorbing that I do always play these really feisty women. It was funny because my parents were like- This is news to you just now. It's almost news to me, yeah. Really? And it's just because I think I just naturally, 
I do naturally gravitate towards, um, as soon as I started doing action, right. I felt so, I, I don't find it tiring at all. I find it so exhilarating. I think I have sort of an excess of adrenaline. So for me, it's a good thing to, to sort of tire my brain out by, by having a physical element to acting. How does that manifest itself in negative or positive ways? I'm a total overcommitter, so I, I get really excited about doing things. I say yes to everything, and then I kind of tap out and go into toddler zone. Like, you know, I'm you know when a toddler gets overtired, but they don't want to go to sleep. Right. Um, and I guess that's sort of the negative side of it. But in the positive side of it, I think I'm I very easily um, am reinvigorated. I very easily see the positives and things. I think with this show, you know, we we're working Scott and I. You know, we're in like every scene Scott of the show. Foley. Scott yeah. Foley and I are in every scene of the show. Um, and the stunts can be so much to do. But then as soon as I start doing them, I just, I, I think that's what, I think most people would relate to that. You start doing something, you want to perfect it. Sure. And then uh, by the time you finish shooting the scene, you're like, no, can we keep going? I wonder if doing that much of that kind of stuff actually has changed your personality or your mindset a little bit. Yeah. I think I've always sort of had a hard time seeing. I remember when I finished university and I ran into a friend from there years later and she was actually just more of an acquaintance when we were at college and she was just like, we were catching up and she said, you know, I was always so scared of you at school. Really? I was like scared of me. And I just remember myself sort of fumbling through something, because I decided to study acting at school, but I hadn't done, I hadn't really done plays through high school or plays through school. I wasn't a musical theater kid. I wasn't a performing kid. So I, I kind of definitely went into acting just thinking, I'm going to get found out. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm like, I'm clueless and this whole kind of thing. And, and I would, you know, when I even met this friend, she was like, you were so confident, you were this. And I was just, so my perception of myself was never, I think, what other people's perception of me is. So then I end up in these roles where I'm this really, you know, even like Frankie or like Maggie, where you really take the reins and you take control. And I know I have the capacity to do that in my life, but I don't ever sit back and think, yeah, I'm gravitating towards this thing where I'm going to dictate and take, you know, call the shots and, and things like that. So I'm then informed by the roles and, and, and my experience in them, and, it, and it, it inspires me because I feel all the time like I'm not able to do a thing, and then I do it, and I'm inspired by, by the achieving of it. But I remember when I, I had been acting for a few years, and, um, and my sister had said to me, um, my sister also studied musical theater, both of them did, and she was sort of in a, in a, in a limbo about whether or not she wanted to pursue it because it's, it's grueling and soul-destroying and all these and things. Daft and daft when you look at and the, daft. The, the, <laughs> the percentages of... Of how hard it is to make it and how much luck is involved and all that. Yes, and yeah. that is like, how do you tell someone to pursue it? And I and I remember saying to my sister's name is Leah, and I just said, I can't tell you that you should do it if you don't feel in your gut that you definitely want to, because at the end of the day, it was it was like, it was almost I think for me like where I would meet criticism or where I would be down on myself or hard about myself by not achieving it that I just really had to go back and just like just take another swing and um and and I felt so foolish and embarrassed and and just like just clumsy you know in so many ways in the beginning of it and I think the beginning of auditioning and right yeah and I didn't know what I was doing so I guess my point is with 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 telling my sister I was just like it's, I think it's in our. It was in my gut to 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 keep persevering because I felt that I um, had to prove it to myself, or I I just like you know. Yeah. As you're saying that, I'm thinking of, you know, you say proving yourself, and mm. for me, the happiest I ever am mm. is at the end of a shoot day, whether I was directing something or whatever it was. At the end of the day. You get like this 24-hour reprieve from your own, like that tiring feeling of, of what you're saying, like proving yeah. yourself. You realize how much you push yourself only when the breaks come, when you're not pushing yourself. Yes, and you are supposed to sit and sort of take stock of uh, not what you've achieved, but take stock of the fact that you've moved through it. And I, I remember with, with actually a particular season, a particular time on Walking Dead, um, going into that show not knowing what the acting challenges would be. And we also don't know what we're capable of, right? So I, you know, started to play Maggie and 
And as it is with television, you also, everybody, the writers and everybody is, is finding the characters a sure, lot of times yeah. we're developing. And I remember this, you know, our season finale when, um, which everybody knows about, with the most horrifying episode that we've had with Negan taking, I don't even speak about it fully without PTSD, but, um, but it was after that episode and then the beginning of the next season where I just thought, I didn't know what it was going to feel like I didn't know how far I could push myself and I had no idea how I was going to be changed afterwards and to me that's been the most rewarding thing because I will um, be so hard on myself and it's really not until much later that I can look back and say um, you're irrevocably changed by this situation and the change that happened was exactly what was supposed to happen. Are you just a person by nature who is hard on themselves or does this job that you've chosen, this profession, this art, does it require you to be hard on yourself? That's a good question. I think, I think that the job, I guess life always puts things in front of us and it's just whether or not it's appealing enough to or appropriate enough to jump and rise to the challenge. It's really funny. My aunt found all these emails that she had printed out for me because I used to write my family really detailed emails about the journey. And this is when I was in England and they were in New Jersey. Okay. But I was so struck because only, it was only two days ago she sent me these emails that were from whatever it was, 15 years ago. So it was like a time the capsule. You, the capsule, yeah. And I was, even in these letters, I was like, I actually said, um, I've been here for... Uh, I've been here for a week and not much is happening. I just had an ER audition and six movie auditions. I was like, not much is happening? <laughs> Are you crazy? That's like, so I, just this, this kind of like hunger and impatience and, and, and all this stuff. Right, and why isn't this happening quicker? Yeah, and I needed to be not sort of realizing. constantly, yeah. you know, consumed with a, 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 something to, to chew on, I suppose. Um, but it was so funny. I might, my, my, um, my family at the time, I remember them being like, I'd be in LA for a few weeks and then I'd get, I didn't feel like enough was happening so I'd go back to England and audition for things and they were like, stay still. Just go there and stay there and just go through the process. And so I've always, that's I guess to come full circle to the yeah. excess adrenaline thing. I just, you know, jumping on a plane was nothing and I just, just, let's go, let's go. Yeah, and I wonder if you stop and go, this is exhausting or, mm -hmm. if, you, or if you go, this is, how I like it. Now, I feel like I can just relax a little bit. Not relax, like rest on anything, but part of what's so good within the performing aspect of acting is that I'm forced into complete attention and listening and finally maybe feel like I'm more into that point in my own life. <laughs> right. Well, uh, you know, it's interesting. When you talk about watching the episode again, mm -hmm. which you're purporting you were with a bunch of people and not yeah. at home by yourself. <laughs> we're going to go with that version. No, but, but watching yourself, uh, it, it's interesting on a couple levels because I think people who aren't actors and who aren't mm -hmm. on national television shows, we don't get glimpses of ourselves that often. But when you said, I met this friend from college and she said, I was afraid of you. It's almost the same thing as watching yourself on TV. Like you get a different glimpse of yourself. Yeah. And what I'm curious about is when you watch yourself, if you're like, oh, the version I had in my head of how that looked when I was filming it, mm -hmm. it was actually not, it was not an accurate version. Like it's more accurate to see it. In watching something and I have been so is that weird lucky for you to, watch to be, it is, but these like, these last two, three, you know, with Mile 22, with Walking Dead, and now with Whiskey Cavalier, I've been really lucky to be housed in something that I, I just, like, I find captivating and I find so, like, I love these shows. I love, I love how when I actually do get to watch it, all the things that I worried about, it's such ego. Like, I, I was just worried about what I was doing like this, and, and, and then after these experiences of being part of something that's bigger than myself, and that's just like, it's just like, I think that's part of the sigh of relief. Like, everybody here and the people creating the show know what they're doing, and you can relax and know that you're adding to this in, a, in and and trust and, and all these things. And um, 
enjoy the entirety of it. And, right. you know, even with the reflection, it's like I was, I was never aware that I could be intimidating because I would be wrapped up in whether or not I was doing a good job. And now I kind of feel like I can get over that anticipation of it and just be in the... Right. Does that make sense? Yes. I, I always wonder about that when, yeah. when, you've, when you've done all the work to create a character. and Once you sort of spend a season doing that and you can put that on, yeah. can you ever like summon all that when you're at the supermarket? I or can wherever, definitely you know? summon it. Like I'm not a pushover. I'm just, I guess I'm always surprised by people thinking like, oh, she's got her shit together. She's fine. Da, da, da. And I'm just like, I'm not fine. I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> and so it's like, I know I have the strength and I've, ha- I've felt it in times of like being like defensive about things or with my siblings. And just in situ, I mean, in arguments with ex-boyfriend, I, mean, I just, I know I have it. So it's not that, but it's like. There's men yeah. right now cowering in the corner from like an <laughs> argument three years ago. Oh, you joke. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> You're like, uh, no, I don't um, want to talk about that. No, I'm just <laughs> That's hour but, two. Well, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so so the other thing I want to know about yeah. this show because the first thing I thought of when I saw the show is moonlighting. Yes, in yeah. the sense of, well, moonlighting via Born Identity, right? In, in terms of like, this is a very cinematic, high action, high. There, there's high stakes mm-hmm. and everything. But at the same time, there's this thing happening between you and Scott Foley. And, and I was curious, when you, when you got this role, A, how much pressure you felt to deliver on mm. like carrying this show as the lead, and B, if you looked at any sort of characters or benchmarks and said, you know, like, who yeah. is this person in the history of television? Yeah, I think I decided, first of all, that with chemistry, I just knew if I thought about it, it was killed. You know what I mean? It's like we you were either going to have, have it. You can't pressure. think about that. You can't yeah. be like, they need us to have chemistry. Yeah. Because right. like also it's not something that's sort of put, it's not something that's initially presented. Well, you do chemistry reads, obviously, sometimes, right. but right. Scott and I met on Skype, we're figuring out which, starts. where all good chemistry things happen. Um, the, the internet signal went all fuzzy and no, I'm just <laughs> um, and, and He's now cowering in a corner too. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, but we had a, uh, so we had, you know, I had read the script and I had just really gravitated towards, um, I hadn't even really registered at that moment that Frankie really occupies the masculine in their dynamic. And not the masculine, but she's, she is the, the drill sergeant and she is sort yes. of the, the tough guy in the story. I had just thought, she, I guess that goes back to your question of like, you know, playing strong people. I was just like, she seems normal. <laughs> um, <laughs> right. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. You, didn't, you didn't see her that way because... And if we did see it that way, it's like if somebody says play a sex symbol, you're like, oh, yeah, I'm going to go in there and act really sexy. Like, you know what I mean? It was just be. But that's the weird part about your job. I remember actually when I first started acting and 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 a lot of the time the 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 breakdowns still it's still like this. But breakdowns would be like beautiful woman does this, this, this. And it's just like, well, what do you play? I mean, you don't play beautiful woman. Right. but, But it has to be in there because that's obviously part of how casting works, you're looking for X, Y, Z. Um, but I, I, I think that with, um, you know, with Frankie, it's just, to me, what I find so interesting about her is that she's, she's not even aware of her own. She doesn't think it's crazy the way she operates. Because right, no, it's, it's not crazy. Yeah. And I don't know why everybody else is getting bogged down with emotions. What a waste of time. And not, not me, but Frankie. Yeah. Um, but I think that when I decided to, was offered to and decided to and, and got the opportunity to play this role, I just thought, this feels like a lot of fun. But ultimately, when I just think about my life and watching something that has people that I'm invested in going on these journeys and then it's going to be funny and it's going to be light. I felt really excited to, it's just sort of like a sigh, it's like a, it's like a, a sigh of relief to, to do that. What you say is, is so true that as an actor, you can't judge your character. You yes. can't, you can't be responsible for the things that you're not responsible for. Like you mm-hmm. can't go in and go, oh, the weight of the, sh- of the show is on my performance. Yes. I did a pilot, um, about 10 years ago, I did a pilot, and I remember, um, you know, I may have had something or someone in my ear talking about, because I, I didn't even really, f- it, it didn't feel like pressure to me. I was like, well, I'm just here to do my job. I'm an actor for hire. I go in there and I act. And um, and I 
I, but I do remember once I started to recognize the pressure, we had one day we were on a set, it was like a very warm restaurant scene. Right. And a very small room, and I fainted. And I was like, that's so really? surreal, because on a subconscious, you know, on a low level, um, I had just been pretty tense the whole time, and then, and then had this, um, you know, buckled to the, to, the, to the worry of it. That is sort of the mystery of what an actor has to do, which mm -hmm. is to sort of work really hard on some things and then totally disregard other aspects of it. I, I, just, I just remember something, because um, a lot of the time as an actor, you never do your best work when it's your coverage. And then as soon as the camera turns around, you're like, oh, that's the scene. And <laughs> you feel that regret. And I remember hearing um, from a colleague that it's not, don't worry if it was, A, don't worry if it was captured there because we do it for each other. And in the grand scheme of things, it, it, all, it, it is all in there. But also, it really is all in there because even if I've, I'm realizing something additional later or there's some other, you know, layer of, of, of whatever that comes out, then it's still, it's still in the entire vibration of what we created and what we put onto film. Hey folks, let's take a little break from the program to talk about this week's sponsor, Robinhood. Robinhood is an investing app that lets you buy and sell stocks, ETFs, options, and cryptos, all commission-free. While other brokerages charge up to $10 for every trade, Robinhood doesn't charge any commission fees, so you can trade stocks and keep all of your profits. Plus, there is no account minimum deposit needed to get started, so you can start investing at any level. The simple, intuitive design of Robinhood makes investing easy for newcomers and experts alike. View easy-to-understand charts and market data and place a trade in just four taps on your smartphone. You can also view stock collections such as 100 Most Popular. With Robinhood, you can learn how to invest in the market as you build your portfolio, discover new stocks, track your favorite companies, and get custom notifications for price movements so you never miss the right moment to invest. And best of all, Robinhood is giving listeners of Off Camera a free stock like Apple, Ford, or Sprint to help you build your portfolio. Sign up at offcamera.robinhood.com. That's offcamera at robinhood.com. And now back to the show. You said something once, I was listening to, we're all great actors when the cameras aren't on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and, it, and it's true, it's like when you watch a documentary, there is, there is, if it's a good documentary, no one's ever questioning, I, I don't believe that person, or you know, yes. their emotion isn't selling it because they're just being themselves. Yes. And that's the weird conundrum of your job is that someone's supposed to stick a camera in your face, it's not your feelings, it's not your words, and you have to somehow mimic humanity, mm -hmm. which is the strangest thing. And are there points in the day where you know they're coming, where you read the script, you're like, that scene's gonna be hard. Like, mm -hmm. I guess I'm curious, knowing that it's so hard to disregard the camera, yep. it's so important to know where the camera is at the same time, mm. are there times when you're more vulnerable on set or times that you can almost anticipate you're gonna have a hard time with? When you forget that the camera is on you or when it is a documentary, and right. you're really watching somebody just existing in a real space, Yes. Um, that's obviously the most refreshing moments on film for anybody to watch. Like yes. That's like sitting in a coffee shop and just seeing someone in a private moment. And, but I think that it's all, it all comes down to relaxation for me. And if I can be prepared enough to completely forget what I intended to do um, or how I wanted or to not be results oriented, I really do crave experiences where you you know, you, you, your mouth's agape and you realize you've just been listening and you forget what's going on. And right. a lot of the time I've had those, I mean, I remember experiences like that in acting class more than I remember them in, in, in life because in acting class, you know, it, it would you be a really longer period it. of time. Sure. And yeah, and you, we weren't self-conscious because it wasn't being, but I think, I honestly, I just, it's so funny. I always think about um, Javier Bardem in Beautiful and how the, the right. camera was so close and how you really had to forget it. And there's something that Meryl Streep said about letting yourself be fed by the lens and not letting yourself feel self-conscious because it was there. And I really think about that a lot. And I just think about um, thinking 
you know, it's like, you know yourself as a photographer, with the, the intimate moment is when you're looking into the lens and just picturing that you're talking to someone or that you're looking at your dearest right, loved one. Right, you're looking through, it, through you're, it. it. It's yeah. there, but it's not, it's not, there's no barrier. It's like, oh, I'm now seeing through the camera to the person and they're seeing through back to me. And yeah. yeah, and so it's trying to find the intimacy with the experience rather than, um, it's kind of the rather way than forgetting kids have. It. You have to like accept it. Yes, accept yeah. it. Well, uh, you, you said something about sitting in a cafe and watching somebody. Mm -hmm. and, and it makes me wonder if part of acting is you have to be sort of a natural observer or naturally be curious from a young age. Like, as a kid, were you somebody that sort of tuned in to those kinds of things? A thousand percent. You were? Yeah. I think it was partly being an only child for such a long time. And not just an only child, but my mom... Right, you have half-siblings, right? I have half-siblings, okay. and they all came much later and even my aunts and uncles had their kids much later so I remember so being it was you and then everyone was like adults let's let's regroup <laughs> for like 10 years and see if we really want to do this yeah 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> thanks guys um and it was you know I, I remember I was in everybody's weddings I was kind of like the token right flower girl and, and all the weddings and um but and I do remember you were the remember, token like photographer and then you were the <laughs> officiant <laughs> yeah finally. it wasn't weird <laughs> We are gathered here today. <laughs> um, yeah, so it was funny because I, I, I did hang out with mostly adults, and so I was probably quite right. precocious and, and, uh, and learning to sort of be on that level. But I do, as, just as, a, as an impersonator, I was just such a little... Yeah, I loved doing voices and accents. And even then, as a kid, before you even kid, knew anything about what you wanted to do. Yeah, I loved doing just like dances and performances and, and impressions and explaining things. I was so obsessed with my, well, I kind of mentioned to you before about swimming, but I was, yes. I would talk, you could get me started talking about swimming or talk to you all, that's what kids do, but I mean, you know, I, I, I definitely was, was sort of. Um, Who would you do impressions of as a kid? MC Hammer. Really? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I had a lot of uh, Nick Cage. Really? Yeah, I was. So just wait, you're like a what? A 13 year old kid doing a Nick Cage impression? Yeah. That's not weird. No, it's not weird at all. <laughs> it's not weird at all. Oh, but then it was funny because then when I moved to England, I have like, I had, I, I think it gave me. I already had this ear for sort of voices and accents and everything, and then that just got even stronger. Oh my gosh! I, yeah. You, okay. Well, yeah. let's talk about that because you moved to England when you were what? 13. 13. Yeah. Okay, I have a 13-year-old daughter right oh, now. Oh, don't move her. <laughs> if you, well, that's what I wanted to say. I know. If you, like, put the wrong item in her lunch, it could <laughs> produce tears. You know what I mean? And, yeah. and I would say middle school, especially for girls, is like the hardest time ever. Mm -hmm. And that's right when you've, you got plucked out of New Jersey and taken to England. Mm -hmm. So was that harder than you've maybe let on in the past or was it I think it was incredibly disruptive <laughs> I mean it's and, and it's funny because I I actually love the gypsy spirit that it has given to all of us and so I'm so grateful but what was 13 year old Lauren but 13 year old Lauren it? wasn't grateful about it no. I think she was she just sort like, of I love the gypsy spirit yes yeah 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 no, so, what, so what, what did it yeah. feel like it felt like a terrible horrible time it did. <laughs> it was, no, it was, I feel so bad. I love my parents so much, and I love I that we did it. I don't think that that is in question. Okay, right? good, good, yeah. good. Um, Mom? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but I think it was just, um, it was so, it was so interesting to, to move then and to be in the UK. I remember when we first, when we moved to the UK, I felt so young compared to oh, really? English people. And I felt like they were so savvy about everything in terms of just, I felt like they were teenagers and I had been such a bookworm and a, and an and a studious. So I just remember, you know, being, I just remember feeling like kind of a, a, a little nerd. And, and then when we moved, I was like, oh, and 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 feeling like I had to sort of play catch up with like you know yeah I don't know how to describe it. Well, I guess you yeah. said yeah. right before we started this, we were talking, and you said that you gave up so much around that time, swimming yeah. and piano. Mm -hmm. And I think that that is a time when things do get left behind. Yeah. You know what I mean? And naturally, and, yeah. And it almost sounds like you moved to England and you were you sort of felt like you had to grow up immediately. Yeah, I think that's what, and I think I had to put on that face of like, I'm cool with this, I'm, I'm good and I'm adaptable and I'm gonna just switch into what needs now. Yeah. And the weird thing about relaxing 
as I was sort of saying, like now I sort of just feel like I can begin to is my excitement about re-upping all these creative pursuits is so is so exciting to me. I'm just I'm I'm so I feel more like my curious, hopeful childhood self than now. I have for a long time now. Yeah. So basically, you like, moved to England, and then, like, the pressure started, and then it hasn't really let up until yeah, thirteen now. to thirty-seven. I was a soldier, and now I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, yeah, I guess so. Twenty-four years of just like okay, yeah. And I would think also, I think it's even more impressive that you became an actor, knowing that if you go into that new environment and you felt so behind or felt so whatever, I mm. think the natural inclination would be to turn inward, become more of an introvert, and mm. more of a yeah. Or maybe it's because I just keep going back to this idea of like the challenge. Like that sounds painful and difficult. Let me try it. <laughs> I wonder what that is. Because yeah. it does take a certain leap of faith or a certain craziness mm. to say like, I'm going to do that. And yeah. you know, I wonder if there was a moment that you could look back to when either you got serious or something turned you on enough where you said, I want to do that. I look back on the whole thing now. And even I just think now it's like I always knew everything was going to be okay. And that didn't stop me from having, so maybe this is con, this contradicts this, but it didn't stop me from being full of fear and anxiety about things and, and worrying and being driven or whatever. But just down to the basic things, I remember one time I lived in downtown LA. I had done, I'd had a few great jobs and then I had sort of this lull and really I really didn't stuff. have any money and I really didn't have, I didn't know sort of um, what was going to happen. And I remember I was like, I don't know, I'm going to just... I'm just going to clean my house. I'm going to go clean out my closet. And I remember like reaching up to the shelf and pulling out this pair of jeans and 50 bucks fell out of the pocket of the pair of jeans. I was like, see, everything's always okay. <laughs> but, <laughs> but even with, I just like, I don't want to say I don't care, but I just don't, I, I don't, I, everything's going to be fine. Like it's going to, I'm going to do this or I'm going to do something else. But do I have a moment where I remember? Yeah, like, I, was, I just yeah. wonder, like when did you get serious about it? I got, I think I was serious about it right away. Like what age? Well, so when I was in college, I decided obviously to study drama. So right. I finished high school. Which Even after not form. doing plays and stuff in high school, you just, right. just what I know. was it that made you want to do that? I know. I did, um, well, one correction. I auditioned for Bugsy Malone and got a small part in the chorus. So, okay. I mean, that's obviously major. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I went to college and I studied drama. Oh, I wasn't even going to go to school. And then I had a major ultimatum from my parents. Like, figure out something and go do it or Oh, so you were drifting out. a little bit. I was definitely not going to Did you take time college. off after high school where you were? I didn't take time off. I just took time on with, like... Uh, friends that weren't the best influence. <laughs> a little bit of a, I mean, a yeah. bad crowd for a minute. I was just, I, I became, I guess, around, as maybe a lot of people do, but I definitely became a bit rebellious and just sort of like, I could coast through things. I could always pull it together at the last minute right. in terms of exams and studies. And so I think I took for granted sort of like applying myself and my work ethic and having come from being such a studious kid and, and really, I mean, I loved, I loved like, doing a great job and, 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 and doing well in school. And I was in all these like, extra programs and stuff. But if I remember there being a turning point, I don't remember. I think it was just the pure pressure of my parents saying, you have to go to college, so pick something. And I thought when I was a kid, I always wanted to be a journalist or a child psychologist. And my parents got divorced when I was young. And I remember going to like, a counselor at school for a period of time. And, and I was like, yeah. And I had definitely a fascination with psychology. And then I thought, and then as a third option, because that's how it was in the UK, you had, um, I picked performing arts. Oh, it was your third option? was my third option. It was like, you know, you pick like three topics, right. three, three subjects. So I did that and I, and they were all obviously all, no, I did English literature, psychology and, um, and drama, okay. performing arts. But then when I was at college, I also auditioned for the plays that were going on and I was getting the leads and everything. And I was like, oh, this is fun. And even within the rehearsal process, I would be, I would be committed and consistent and, and, and really enjoying it. But then when it came to the performance night, something that I didn't even know was going to happen would happen. And, and an excitement and an adrenaline in me would be so strong. And, and I remember... What's an example of that, like, early on? Like, finding just the comedy moments or, like, finding the... Just giving it that extra 
the, 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 the nerves and the excitement of it being in front of a live audience and right. it being the night was just like, it, it lit this match and I would just find new things and I would just so revel, I would just so enjoy doing it. And I was like, oh, and then at the end of school, having done this whole handful of, of, of plays, we actually went to the Edinburgh Fringe Festival with one of them that we oh, had yeah. done. and The great comedy festival. Yes. Yeah. So much fun. Tell and me about that. So you, so you yeah. took a play from your school and, and got accepted to the festival. Fringe, yeah. So we did a play. We had a module called Exploding the Canon. So you had to take any canonical piece, a play or a piece of literature and, and, just, and invert it. Right. And so it. we did that with Pygmalion. And we were on like the flyer of the Fringe Award because we didn't have that much money, but we would black and white photocopy our flyers and then tea stain them and burn the edges so they looked like they were war remnants and um, just had so much fun. It was so creative. And, and so it was from then that I think I went to, um, then I got an agent. I did through, a bit of catalog modeling through, through the not through the Fringe Festival, but I had um, when I was in college. I also did modeling for like catalogs and sportswear, and paid for all the beer. I'd love to say it paid for well, my so education. It paid for the you beer. Basically, you modeled before you acted. Mm-hmm. But I never thought of myself. I never. It's so funny how people are like model turned actors. It's like no, I was already studying acting in school. Which one made you grow up quicker or understand the business? Modeling more? was hard. I never enjoyed it. You I didn't. never could do. I loved it because I was like, okay, cool. I'm making this amount of money, and that's paying for my rent and my this and my that. And that's but where I didn't the fifty dollars in your jeans came from. That was where the fifty dollars <laughs> in my jeans came from. But it was so. Um, it was just difficult for me. I didn't like, I didn't like it just, I just, I feel like I'm, uh, I just didn't feel like you could really bring your personality to, to doing it. It's such a different, it's such a different thing now to be a model because you can also be a personality and be an, you can create a whole sure. thing out of it. Do you but, think that prepared you audition wise to go and, like do you think oh. that gave you a little bit of an extra something when you had to go audition for roles? Yeah, it must have done. Everything prepared, yeah. But I, I, I did have, um, I guess I realized with, with modeling as well as with acting, it's it's just like getting in the room and connecting with people and seeing if you vibe and then obviously are you prepared and do you do a good job at right. acting. Right, <laughs> But yeah. it, it definitely suited the adventure uh, in me, you know, because I would go travel around and do different things. It gave me a lot of financial freedom at a young age. But I also think that with modeling, it frustrated me because I wanted to do, I just wanted to do more. So right. it, was, it was fun to do and it was a great, you know, one of my part-time jobs in college, I did everything under the sun, like a lot of people bartended and waitressed and so you did, did all some of modeling that gigs. I did all of it. I did. And you were broke. And I was broke. And I moved to LA. It was the most creative time I'd had since college of just feeling like I was right. just with a bunch of like artists doing really interesting things. So I, that's when I lived downtown. And then, um, and then after that, I think I booked after a couple years downtown. I booked Walking Dead, and I ended up predominantly in, in Georgia for a while, so was, right. yeah, I loved it. Hey folks, I want to take a minute away from the conversation to talk about this week's sponsor, Quip. And if you've listened to this show for a while, you know that we've talked about Quip for a long time, and I use Quip every day. I've gotten my family hooked on it, and I think I've gotten quite a few listeners hooked on it, and that's a good thing, because when you like a product, you want to tell your friends and you want to share it. So if you're new to the show, let me tell you about Quip. First off, one of the most important things we do for our health every day is brushing our teeth. We all know that, but what you might not know is that most of us don't do it properly. Quip is a better electric toothbrush created by dentists and designers, and it was designed to make brushing your teeth more simple, affordable, and even enjoyable, all while doing it right. So I tried Quip a couple years ago now, and I was first attracted to the fact that it's small and it's light, it's sleek, it looks like it belongs on the space shuttle, and it looks like it was designed by the same person that made an iPhone. It's beautiful. It's also really portable, and I take it traveling everywhere, and it has this really cool case that keeps the bristles clean and germ-free. And you all know what it's like to take a toothbrush on a trip, and you just want to throw it away because there's no way to keep those bristles clean. But Quip has even solved that. Also, Quip uses sensitive sonic vibrations that are gentle enough on your sensitive gums because most people brush too hard and some electric toothbrushes are too abrasive. There's also a built-in two-minute timer that pulses every 30 seconds to remind you when to switch sides. And going back to those clean bristles, the most amazing thing about Quip is that it's a subscription toothbrush and every three months, brush heads are automatically delivered to you. 
so you never have to worry about having a dirty, worn-out toothbrush ever again. The other thing I love about Quip is that there's nothing to plug in. With that new brush head you get every three months, you also get a battery. So you never have to charge the brush. It's just always ready for you. It doesn't clutter up your sink. It doesn't take up space in an outlet. It's just sort of the perfect toothbrush. So that's why I love Quip, and that's why they're backed by over 20,000 dental professionals. Quip starts at just $25, and if you go to getquip.com slash off-camera right now, you'll get your first refill pack for free with a Quip electric toothbrush. That's your first refill pack free at G-E-T-Q-U-I-P dot com slash off-camera. So take it from me. This brush is next level. You're going to love it. Try it out. One more time, go to getquip.com slash off-camera. And now back to the show. I wondered what the internal dialogue was about your own career, mm. sort of just pre-Walking Dead and... and yeah. What you were thinking, like, if you were getting typecasted yep. or if you or if you had sort of found some weird glass ceiling of, oh, they see me this way and I've already yep. been sort of put in a lane that I wasn't aware of. Yeah. Like, tell I, me about that time. A hundred percent. That's such a good question. I feel, um, I was so grateful um, for Walking Dead because I finally felt like it was not something, it's, don't get me wrong, it's great to be an actor and get work because you're beautiful or you have people want to look at you on a camera on, on screen but when I got that job I just was so relieved that it was just a stripped down character piece and I just felt finally free and I felt like I had tried to all the reasons that I wanted to do the job I could finally just be free in the true the the acting of it it's funny because there's so many parts of of ourselves and i feel like you know there's the part of me that's like the gritty self that just wants to do westerns all the time and then there's the part of me that wants to do absurd physical comedy and then there's the part of me that wants to do a very quiet indie films and there's a part but i just don't i just i i just I want to honor all those different things. I have so many different interests on a personal level. I have so many different things I'm interested by and and I just feel like what else is supposed to happen? I mean, people meet you and they want to know where you belong best, where you fit best and and you're also navigating an entirely new landscape in Korea and, yeah. and it's also as a, as a starting out, you don't say this is where I should be and cuz I also didn't know and it's just that self-awareness that Still don't have, I don't know, but maybe do. But <laughs> um, but honestly, I also feel like it, this is all, this, this, this whole experience for me is to continue to find your people and to continue to find like something that you get to do that you're expressing the part that people only see at the dining table at, at Christmas with your family and the things that really float my boat. Like, the 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 ridiculous movie quotes that I find funny and just getting to be that full self and I think when I when you start when I started in the job you think you know you have to present this or you have to be perfect in this way or you have to you know know what you're doing um, just not even in the job just as a human being right. and then getting more to the point when you're captured on film not knowing you are and, and then in retrospect you think thank God because that was so much more interesting than what I would have presented right. but also knowing that I'm supposed to bring like the full messy human experience and I was about to say full messy self and uh, anything less than that is just like I actually have a responsibility to be real that must be the most frustrating thing about any kind of success is that, of course, you want to work and you want to be grateful that you have work. Mm -hmm. You want to do so many things. Right. And, yeah. and there's these gatekeepers of like, oh, we don't see you as that. or Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. and, I, and I would think that would be one of the most frustrating things is, is not only how do you get work, but how do you control the work you get? Mm -hmm. and, and how do you get those opportunities to and do it? And how do you get enough practice to fully do the thing that you know you're capable of without right. it so being Right, so when you finally get that yeah. opportunity, I wonder if you had gotten to the point where, oh, these are the kind of roles yes. I'm getting hired for. Yeah, and I was a little bit, um, would apathetic be the right word? I just yes. felt sort of, 
uh, this is sometimes this is my yeah. career or this is how this people is how see I'm me and it's it's sort of like yeah and it's so funny because you know my my cousins and my family and everything were so happy for me to do whiskey because they were like this is you you finally get to do you and and that's not to say but when I booked Walking Dead that was like that was me too right, right. you know what I mean like getting into something that wasn't about how you looked that was just about the story and and so and and that that those parameters keep stretching and expanding so the the heights keep getting higher and you keep sort of like reaching but the observation of people and the actual cherishing of uh, these idiosyncrasies yeah. is to me is the same thing as doing the job there's there's all the other things that you have with acting it, there's that adage you know the acting the, I get paid for the waiting around the acting I do for free right. but it is to me that just like remaining in the creative spirit you know just like when I'm in the creative spirit I'm I'm winning <laughs> right. you know what I mean like I I think it was and I think I don't know if this was something I Heard, but it's definitely something I tell younger people when they ask me about it, or people my own age, if, or anybody that's aspiring to do acting. I was like, you cannot wait. You have to always feel like you're in the creative, and there happens to be a job to do it. But in order to maintain the inspiration, well, you, you can't really wait to be creative to. until you get yes. the job. Right? Yeah. You have to be sort yeah. of always figuring out a way to use that muscle. Or yeah, 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 and just and just kind of um, it's even improv. It's it's just that rule of like this is true and what else and yes and 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 um, and knowing that that is just the biggest thing that yeah. I enjoy about acting is just like I'm with you, I have your back. We're going on the journey together. And if that's not just a great way to, so that's what you love. You love the ensemble, I the love connectedness. It. Yeah. Well, we were. I think what we were talking around a little bit a second ago is yeah. when you get hired. Uh, Originally, mm. if if you've ever been hired for your looks, or if people are expecting, you know what I mean. Mm -hmm. And you, and I, I wonder if if you ever face some of that in terms of the apathy that comes from, um, this is a limited thing. Like like you said, when you get yeah. an audition, it says, and you said, how do you act beautiful? Mm -hmm. You know what I mean. And I and I guess I just wondered right before Walking Dead, yeah. if there was this thing of like, am I going to be, you know, am I going to get a part where I get to really be creative mm -hmm. and and not just have that expectation that that's what I bring. You know? Yeah. I think it's still, I, look, I have a responsibility to show that I can do something. You know, I have, we're all so busy and even within our creative job, it's like we all have different roles to play in the culmination of the product, right? Right, right. So it's, my, it's up to me. And, and that's, the, that's the scary part of the job and that's also the, the most inspiring part of the job. Is that you, you is are that in control I have of it. To, I am in control of it in that respect. And there is still, every time I push a little further, then I get so excited about the next thing that, that I want to do. And I remember when I first started auditioning for voiceovers, um, how free it was! How free it was! And I remember being in the booth. It was actually something that I didn't get, but on the other side, they were cracking up so much because I really got to just go into all these like silly character voices and even things that like that isn't this isn't Frankie. This isn't what I'm doing in whiskey and the new thing. But it's just like the knowledge that you can actually really bring your full self to something, and that that will perpetuate more things that you can do where you bring even more of your full self. And, right. and that's, you know, that's that's not just job as actor, that's just job as human. And I think um, for me as an adolescent or as a young adult or even last year, <laughs> thinking like, you know, there has to be some presented self. It's like, no, like keep fighting, keep fighting to know that there isn't a presented self. It's that it's you just, 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 just figure it out and be nice along the way. That's like really all I'm trying to do. That is so interesting you say that because when you go do a voiceover, mm. that's literally in a way the most full acting because you get to completely shed your skin. Yeah, You do get to go completely into another character. Yeah. And was that a weird freeing moment? You get of? to be weird and ugly and like do all like the kooky things that don't and you're not self-conscious because even though I don't want that, I still am self-conscious and I still do want to look good doing sure. something. And, yeah. You know, just But it's, it's, it's just like, oh, I get to throw all that away Yeah, and I get to just... Be weird. Yeah. <laughs> we all I'm need to be weirdo. weird. Every yeah, day. yeah. Um, my kids would argue that I'm weird all the time. But um, that's it too. It's like the kid thing. It's like it's like so freeing. Just like, you know, that's like why I'm most excited to have kids. It's just 
playing with them and just getting to just go revert back to the part of myself that's really meaningful, which is just... Well, you have to go back there anyway. You, yeah. you have to start swimming again. You have to play yes, piano. Right? You have to, like, collect all those lost years of having <laughs> to be... A, yeah, you, you, like, you grew up too quick, and now you're, like... Yeah, returning. Yeah. Um, <laughs> there was a scene in The Walking Dead that you had to give a C-section to Sarah Wayne Callis. Oh, yeah. And yeah. you talked about wanting to quit, almost, rather than do the scene. And, mm. and as someone who is not an actor... Here's, you know, here's a person who mm -hmm. knows this character, has done a thousand scenes, yeah. knows that, has done a thousand scenes as different characters, mm -hmm. and all of a sudden this one comes up and it makes you want to quit rather than doing it. What about that seemed so impossible that it, in your day-to-day -day job it, it, it stuck out? And why, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, explain it's, it's why really, it, it was so hard. It's really funny because I finally, um, not even finally, but I just had an epiphany about that moment recently because my it, you know you know if you meet someone and there's something just so true about it and you sort of feel that slight discount like the, the the ground is sort of unsteady and and all you want to do is run in the other direction and then you realize that that's exactly when you have to stay and i think when something is has the potential to unrest you so much it's the discomfort of change and something that's quite monumental. And that show is such a success because that's what it does. And facing up to that, I remember after we shot that scene, I threw up. I was so uncomfortable really? because it was so, within the story, it's so necessary. And it's so, it was, it was impactful because it, on the characters and, 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 and on the viewer and, and just the, the rawness of it and the real of it. But I just, I look back on the moment and I was like, what does that tell you about yourself? That there was a moment that was like that, that was so pivotal in the show and, and so exemplary of The Walking Dead that was terrifying and made you want to run away and ended up being one of the most important things. And how do you now take that lesson and apply it to the rest, to the rest of your life of when you feel really, really uncomfortable, just breathe and keep going through it. and. You know, there are even things within discovering a new character that you feel silly and you feel, um, or you feel like it's too much. And that's kind of kind of the point I was making about trusting the people that you're working with and that right. you're working for, knowing exactly what they're doing and, and just being so lucky to have the right mentors of, of taking into new territory and like, trust us. And it's gonna be uncomfortable because being real in front of people is uncomfortable and falling in love and being vulnerable and, and letting your full self show up and be, be, be judged one way or another is uncomfortable. But what's the point if you're not gonna do those things? And I remember even, I just, I, I remember being struck with this like a week ago. I was like, oh my God, if it feels that way, you have to do it. You have a responsibility to, um, let it wash over you and um, go through it, go through the experience. And What I hear you saying is that in order for you to do justice to the work, but also to transfer those feelings to an audience, mm. you can't be fake. Right. But to go fully in there yep. is probably terrifying. But we also have all like what we would deem the ugly parts of ourselves. And as an actor, I get to say, hey guys, like let's look at it and, 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 and go on the journey and hope that it's making your stomach turn or you kind of cringe at the, it's, we kind of talked about this before, like when you meet someone that actually becomes your best friend and you're kind of initially suspicious of the person, it's because of how much of you they may reflect back. And right. to me as an actor, that's one of the more intimidating parts of it, but then it's everything. It's everything. It's like we create this whole world. Like you just literally, what's an experience that's happened or what's something that I could do and we could document it and try and just, just, to, just to go through an experience without the anticipation of the result and, and, and all the discomfort and entertainment, God forbid, just entertainment. <laughs> yeah, what you're talking about is like yeah. to be able to feel those emotions without the stakes or the results attached to yeah, them. And yeah. what I'm hearing is that you love mm. your job because <laughs> it allows you to sort of break the rules of, of life, of society, of mm -hmm. like you, you get to go places that wouldn't be okay in yeah. normal living. And maybe that goes right back to why psychology was the other choice on your- Yeah, why do we do these things? Yeah, why do, you, yeah. why do you think you just keep 
yeah. getting drawn to it. You know what? It's like once you start, then you realize how limitless the entire situation is. And so, but if my application or my dedication is 100%, then it also takes away that fear for me of, am I going to do everything before I die? And does it matter if I do this, these few things completely? Or if I, if I have the entire, if I try to have the entire spectrum of an experience within each thing that I'm doing, then, then I think it's even that idea of, you know, what am I here to do? I'm just here to, to go to the fullest of, uh, of my experience, human experience yeah. in this shouldn't lifetime. Shouldn't we be on this, uh, while we're on this earth, shouldn't we experience it mm. most fully we can? And that mm -hmm. doesn't just mean seeking happiness and contentment. It, it, yeah. it means seeking the farthest reaches of, of what Even we're emotionally of our mind capable and our, yeah. of. I think what you're talking about is yeah. your job allows you to be completely present. Mm -hmm. And that is maybe the greatest way to go through life. Yes. And you sort of have to do that and have that skill as an actor. Yeah. That certainly is the greatest gift you can give to another actor is to be totally present yeah. and listening and taking in what, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm, totally. And yeah. then your responses are sincere. It's that a whole, <laughs> which I now wonder if I've been doing well in our interview is not worrying about what you're going to say, but just really fully, what I'm going to say, but just really fully listening to what you're saying at the moment. You know how we do in conversation. I know. Our and brains are consumed with... It's so hard to not get yeah. distracted and to stay right there. And it yeah. is, it's a total exercise that I think that it takes a lifetime mm -hmm. to achieve. And what a great thing to have as my pursuit, as our pursuit, you yes. know, just... It, that's the relieving part of it, of saying, well, did I... I'm here as a student of life and I graduate when I'm a corpse. <laughs> well, let's go. <laughs> I graduate when I'm a corpse. Yes, yeah, yeah. Here's we hang a little, on. you know, yeah. <laughs> commencement medal around your corpse's neck and we put the little flat hat. What yeah. is that thing called? The, uh, um, what is the hat with the square? With the tassel thing. I don't the know tassel. what the hat would be called. We move the tassel across the corpse's face. Mm -hmm. That's yeah. it. She's graduated. Yeah, yeah. She's done it. Let's play the pomp and circumstance music and, the, yes. and, and do the robes and then at the end... Everyone still living can throw the hats up. That's actually, yeah. 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 Funerals yeah. are so depressing. Yeah. And they don't have to be. It could be like, she graduated. Yeah. Everybody wears, you know, purple or whatever. Yeah. Some bad. Burgundy Painted robes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They're all naked underneath. Yeah. It'd be a great party. We're all naked underneath anyway. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if we've totally figured it out, but I feel like we've gotten a little further. Yeah. I was fascinating talking to you. You too. This was so nice. Yeah, I really enjoyed that. Yeah. And thank you for coming and for opening up and trying to like... Explain? <laughs> yeah. Like to try to figure out all the things you think subconsciously and put them into words. It's not mm. easy. And it was yeah. really nice to, to get to know you. You too. Thanks, Sam. Hey folks, that's our show. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. If you're the one person left that hasn't seen Walking Dead, well, you have 10 seasons of excitement waiting for you. So check out Lauren and that. And also, if you just want a rollicking good night at home of classic fun television, Whiskey Cavalier is your new show. Scott Foley and Lauren do a great job. There's chemistry, there's laughs, and it's shot like the Bourne Identity. So check that out. And if you're not looking for Born Identity action, you can check out our show, Off Camera, because the show you're listening to right now is also a television show. And you can find us on DirecTV's audience network. That's channel 239 every Monday and Wednesday night. And if you don't have DirecTV, never fear. You can also have access to our entire archive on our website, offcamera.com. There you'll find our TV subscription package where you get to watch every episode we've ever made on any device as many times as you want for only $4.99 a month. It's a great way to go deeper into these stories and see the voices that you've been hearing. Of course, we're very happy that you're listening to the podcast. And if you're not yet a subscriber, take a minute right now, go to Apple and subscribe to this show. When you subscribe, you can be assured that you'll never miss an episode. While you're there, leave us a rating and a review because that helps more people find the show. 
You can also find us on social media. We are Off Camera Show at Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. I am Sam Jones Pictures on Instagram and Sam Jones on Twitter. You can also send me an email. I'm Sam at offcamera.com. But please, if you haven't yet, take a minute and shout about us on social media. Tell the world what they're missing if they haven't yet tuned in to Off Camera. I want to thank the people that work so hard on this show. Crawford Shippey, Nathan Shields, Michaela Galvin, Sasha Snow, and Kara Johnson. If you see these people, give them a hug, give them a kiss, buy them a snack. They are great people. They work so hard on this show, and they would love to hear from you. And most of all, I want to thank you, the listener, for tuning in and for supporting this show. Like I said at the top of this episode, it's so fun to make this show in Santa Monica, California, and watch it bounce around the world. And I feel so lucky I get to have these conversations with these artists. It's a privilege to share them with you every week, so thank you. And most importantly, make sure to join me next time when I sit down with actress, writer, creator, and producer, Britt Marlin. I remember a moment I was a new analyst and I was just sad. Like I would go home from work and sometimes just cry. I remember seeing a doctor, telling the doctor that I was having these like waves of sadness and he was just like, you're depressed, here's a prescription for Paxil. I remember filling the prescription and it was sitting on my nightstand and I would come home and be so sad and I would look at that bottle and I would think something is wrong here. Like I'm doing something that's making me not feel good and I'm being told that the answer is to just like pop one of these pills to make the thing palatable to just go do the job. And I couldn't bring myself to take the medication. And that was the moment that I was just like, I can't, I have to find a different thing. Brett created one of the most original, mind-bending, and purely creative shows on television, namely The OA on Netflix. A meditation on near-death experiences, multiverses, modern dance, and, well, everything else. Since her first film, Another Earth, Britt has been exploring alternate dimensions and heady concepts. But unlike most all sci-fi, Britt finds very human ways to tell her strange stories. And the results can be unsettling, enlightening, and ultimately very entertaining. But what drew me to Britt is the fact that her art goes far beyond entertainment. There's a desire to connect in her work that resonates deeply. This is not just ingest and move on television. The OA will stick with you for a long time. But for someone who seems born to create wildly imaginative storytelling, Britt almost didn't even get started. A Georgetown valedictorian on the fast track to wealth and prosperity at Goldman Sachs, Britt instead chose to quit her job and go against the wishes of her parents, ending up first in Cuba on a documentary film, and then in Los Angeles, auditioning to be an actress. Risk made her nervous, failure scared her, but waking up at age 40 in the world of wealth management seemed akin to death, or a near-death experience. See you next time, off camera.